Welcome to Anything Goes, the best geek and pop culture podcast broadcasting from Long Island, New York. I'm your host, Timothy Rooney. And finally, even after weeks after its release, a podcast about geek and pop culture, I'm finally talking about Star Wars The Force Awakens. Even though there's probably been 100,000 episodes of podcasting that have been dedicated to this movie, I'm finally going to get my two cents in with two of my guests, a returning guest... Hello, I'm Justin Serlo. Yes, Justin is back. He was pretty much had a gun to my head saying he wanted to talk about this, pretty much. We're going to do this. <laughs> you. Tonight. tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and a person who... <laughs> Damn it, I'm dying! A person who hasn't been on the podcast before, my girlfriend, Vicky. Hi, everyone. I don't know what I actually signed up for with the two of you, but... You don't know. Hey. <laughs> Nothing I mean, good. if there's going to be guns and violence, I'm I'm excited for this. Hey, yeah, I mean, that, I think that, that's that's fair. So, everybody, we're about to do a completely spoiler-filled review of the Force Awakens. If you haven't seen it yet, I'm sorry, but it's going to be talking about the spoilers. So, everybody, let's talk about Star Wars: The Force Awakens. <laughs> Okay, so much like uh, Creed, and that's pretty much a movie about its history, and it's kind of reflective of its history, same thing with the Star Wars Force Awakens. So let's start, let's do a little history first. Now, Justin, when were you first introduced to Star Wars? Uh, probably when I was either five or six years old. Um, so about two years ago. <laughs> no, it's, it just looks like two years ago. <laughs> okay. Or maybe it just feels like 20 years ago. Oh, I'm not sure which one. Um, the jury's still out on that. But no, it was when they they released the uh, the original unaltered trilogy on VHS for the last time in '95, '96. Yes. Whenever that set came out, mm -hmm. my parents got it. Figured I was old enough. I watched it, and I've been obsessed with it ever since. And Vicky, that's a really good question. Um, I think you guys are gonna laugh, but I think it started with the prequels. <sighs> And then he sighs. But it's the I'm truth. Out. It's the truth. It started with the prequels and, you know, all that fun stuff. And then my dad actually showed us the original mm -hmm. on, I think it was VHS at the time. So, yeah. <laughs> and I remember uh, the first time I got introduced, it was actually my dad brought home a VHS, VHS copy of Just a New Hope. And it was, I guess, it was not part of the set of... The trilogy of the it was a pre special edition version of the v, of the movie, but the cover art was very different. It was more like a hand painted drawing, much like the original posters were, of just like a caricature of like, I mean, this looks like somebody took a picture of like the stunt double for Carrie Fisher, <laughs> and that's what the picture is. And it's just like, you know, like in Inside Out, like the character discussed, like that's the face that Princess Leia had on the cover. I will pull it up later to show you guys, and. I remember seeing that, and it's just one of those tentpole movies that I remember seeing so vividly and changing my life. Same thing when I saw like Jurassic Park, The Terminator, and Lord of the Rings. Now, since you brought up the prequels, now that it's 2016, 
your feelings in the prequels, Justin, nowadays? I still dislike them a lot. You don't you don't think there's any redeeming uh, qualities of it? On the surface, Revenge of the Sith is probably the one that seems most like a, a decent movie. As my friend Richard says, let the least shit of the three of them. Yes, that's, that's a good way of putting it. But I think even if you explore that further further beneath the surface if you actually think about it it's really not that good no and i mean like it's kind of like people will say like whenever you review video games or movies you're pretty much doing like almost a version of nostalgia critic or angry video game nerd whenever mm-hmm. you speak about the prequels it's almost inevitably talking about anything that red letter media has brought up right and it's kind of hard it's like how can you talk about the movies yeah unless, I mean, unlike you're doing it like them yeah i think i have my problems with them, it is an easy joke to make in a crowd to make people laugh, of mm-hmm. course. Um, and since I'm terrible at comedy, that's like my, like other than puns, it's, it's like my, it's my go-to. I'm glad you're off mic so nobody has to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like I, there are still moments in like I, I said, because my friend Oliver Harper, who did, like, he did, him and his two friends uh, did, like, commentary, their own commentaries through him, and I left a really long comment to, to hear the Revenge of the Sith that I still have really strong memories with that, those movies. Like, my granddad took me to see episode one, episode two together. I remember seeing the pod race when I was, when I was eight years old at the time, and I'm just being wowed by it. Attack of the Clones, I remember once the movie was over, I'm in the bathroom before we leave, and the porcelain of the toilet is rattling because the theater next to us was doing the asteroid uh uh battle scene so and the sonic boom of it was like just rattling everything and and like it's that's like the thing that you just like i was surprised like for the longest time that was probably like the tester of speakers for home entertainment systems revenge of the sith um my brother-in-law and I were the only two people laughing at the theater at the time when Darth Vader went, no! no! And we burst out laughing because we're just, we're just, we love inappropriate humor. Now, that Vicky, what are your feelings on those movies nowadays? Nowadays? Yeah, they're a little silly, but like I said, I guess you could say that they broke my Star Wars V card. That's the way I put it. Yeah. I, I don't know how else to put it, so I guess that's that's kind of how you have to put it. And, you know, that kind of holds a special place in my heart, those prequels. Did they suck? Maybe. I don't know. I find them entertaining. That's just my view on that. I think they're silly, but to me, when I'm in a bad mood and I see Jar Jar Binks being all silly and, you know, dumb, (laughs) I feel better about myself. Well, I'm not going to lie. I think he makes everybody feel better about themselves. (laughs) I never agreed to start an army that eventually genocide an entire religion. So yeah, it's it's funny because right now I'm watching uh, the Clone Wars cartoon series. The two, like you said, it, was it the 2D or the 3D version? Uh it's the, the is there a 3D version? I yeah, it's like very it. like like Pixar esque, rather than rather than like hand drawn animation. Oh no, this is 2D then. Okay, yes, one. the I, I know the one you're talking about. Disney is the Pixar. Look at one, yeah. which. Dakota loves, even though a lot of people are like, he's like one of the biggest supporters of that, but go on. Uh, and it's funny how they paint Jar Jar in that one. They paint him as this incredibly dumb character that he is, and everyone is aware of it. <laughs> and it's just hilarious to watch their reactions. Because in the prequels, after the first movie, Jar Jar is there, but everyone ignores him. Yeah, it seems like, I know Lucas has said, 
on numerous occasions that he doesn't listen to his fans. He hasn't gone on the internet. However, it seems like after the lukewarm reception of him, after Phantom Menace, they kind of toned him down to two and three. Granted, he gives him the biggest decision in the universe to him that irrevocably changes the entire outcome of the entire series, which kind of says, like, all right, dumb decisions are made by dumb people and stuff like that. So you could give him an A for credit for that. However... It's just like, oh, uh, it's like, like I said, on paper, he should work. A seven-foot-tall dog and a few bears running around defeating an empire shouldn't work on paper, but yet they did, despite people saying they, some people don't like the Ewoks, but I, I, I never had a problem with them. Until I don't have a problem with them. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I mean, like, one of the most emotional moments of Return of the Jedi is when two of them are running away, and then their laser blast hits both of them, and they both hit the ground, one, like, kind of, like, rolls a few moments and dies the second one gets up and tries to like shake him back to life and then sits down does the next to the body and you're like oh, oh. like those guys just blew up a build-a-bear workshop <laughs> what a bunch of assholes <laughs> yeah exactly now on to the subject matter at hand of star wars force awakens now when did you first hear justin about D- Disney, after the acquisition, wanted to do another movie. We were actually up in Oswego when we found out about this. And my first reaction was, no, just no. Because, I mean, the last the last movie I saw that they tried to, you know, re-energize mm-hmm. was Indiana Jones 4. Yes. Which was um, not good. No, even Spielberg. Spielberg didn't want to do it. He refused, like, years. And then I, I think, I, I guess, Lucas probably had, like, blackmail material on him. And that's why he did it. That's the only reason why I think he did didn't it. Didn't George Lucas write that? Yeah. I no wonder why it was bad. <laughs> George Lucas probably needed to pay for that. Yeah, I, I guess so, because his 400-acre ranch needed, I guess, somebody needed to pay for that. But go on. Uh, so my first reaction was, like, nope, I'm done. Just give me... Three, give me four, five, and six, and I'll, I'll be happy. And then I found out J.J. Abrams was directing it uh, a couple of months later. And I was like, okay, this actually has a real chance because this is someone who obviously everything that he touches um, is something that he's been heavily influenced by. Mm-hmm. And just from watching... Lost, not that he really had a big you just did say pilot, in I Lost think. after the pilot episode, right? But he's the one who brought all the writers on board for it. Mm-hmm. And you could tell that they had a lot of, you know, Star Wars-type hints, winks, and nods. Mm-hmm. You you know, this was someone who didn't just like Star Wars, but, like, knew everything about it. And, Vicky, what were your reactions when you heard they were making another movie? Well, I think I heard it from you. Right. Honestly, I think you actually texted me in all the blaze of this new Star Wars movie. And honestly, I could, all I could say was, huh, interesting. I wonder if this is going to be good or not. You know, right. <laughs> I hope it's good. I hope they don't screw it up like they did. Um, well, I guess not so much the prequels, but you get my drift. <laughs> right. And when you heard Disney took it over. I love Disney. Like, honestly, 99% of the time, you know me, I think I'm a Disney princess. So, when Disney, when I found out that Disney took it over, I was, I was excited. Right. Because I'm like, all right, magic, and there's going to be a lot more lasers, and pew, pew, you know? Maybe not, but again, I, you know, I liked it, so. (laughs) And I remember, 
I had I had a class with Professor Zenner, and that's when it was <laughs> and it was about it was pretty much about marketing and stuff like that for the broadcasting class. And so that was like the entire class discussion for that week, or at least the first class, because I think I had Tuesdays and Thursdays with him. It was all dedicated to the acquisition of Star Wars by Disney. And Zenner, like, because everybody was just like, oh, my God. And then everybody started hashing out their reasons why they didn't like the prequels. And Zenner really summed it up why we didn't like the prequels at one point. Because Star Wars was made for kids and young adults in 1977. Mm -hmm. The prequels were made for kids and young adults in 1999. So all the people who grew up with the original series and saw that first felt it was aimed for them. And that the prequels are aimed for a younger audience. George Lucas was not aiming for us. Well, he was aiming for us, but since we had already been indoctrinated in Star Wars lore beforehand, it was kind of like, oh, this is not for us. And this obviously, those are Lucas's movies because he is uninhibited because yeah. he has complete control. It's 20th Century Fox is just distributing him. He's putting his own money to make them. And so I was like, all right, that makes a little more sense. And then with Disney saying, like, he was like, they'll do a good job with it. He was very hopeful. And I was like, all right. And then I was actually home. I think we were home from break by the time when the news broke that J.J. was doing it. Oh, yes. That was my day. I was on the car ride up to Oswego when I found out. And I remember because I was like, if I could do a cartwheel, I would have <laughs> down the hallway because I was screaming at the top of my lungs because I was such a fan of Abrams's work. Do you know where I was? I was in that McDonald's in Bumblefuck, New York. Oh, in the, mount, like the mountains. In the mountains, the, like <laughs> two miles away from the Pennsylvania border. Yeah, it, it, it's really like, it's like, like it's just mountains and there's nothing around. Like, there's a small town and then all of a sudden there's a McDonald's and you and I have both been there as together and separately because it's like the only thing there on <laughs> the, the only, way. It's the only actual stop that's worth going to off of the free, off of... Route 17 up there. Yeah, it's like after you like you get past Scranton, it's pretty much like that, and then yeah. until you hit Syracuse, and so I was like, okay. And I remember like my dad was like, what, what, what? And I, he, had, he has no idea who J.J. Abram is, but I was just like, the guy who's done the most recent Star Trek movies and Super 8, which I really enjoyed. Now Abrams made me a Star Trek fan because I like his movies, including Into Darkness. I know a lot of Trekkies are just like, that's the worst Star Trek movie. He was voted the worst Star Trek movie in the Las Vegas Star Trek convention. But these are also the same people who are saying, it's not for everybody. No, 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 no. And I will, I will show you. I think I showed you that picture of that guy's comment on the new Star Trek trailer. Oh, I, I know. I showed I you so. it. It's. It's basically like it's done. It's it's a shell of its former self. It's just not fair. That's how his comment ends. <laughs> and I was and I, I have gotten so much joy out of that. No, and, you know it's not fair. George Binks wasn't fair. Yes, I'm sorry that your uh, philosophical and existential TV series now become the Fast and Furious of blockbuster uh, sci-fi right now. I I apologize. However, we had to endure George R. Binks. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair, it's fair. <laughs> Leave Brittany alone! <laughs> and so, I was excited, and and I know Abrams plays everything really close to the vest, so that's why we didn't know anything going into this movie. Right. We didn't know the plot. Now, tr first trailer debuted, I think, was it May or April of this year? It was April, yeah. And I remember that because... Uh, I'm trying to think which debuted first. I think 
the Batman v Superman trailer came out like on a Monday, and then Star Wars came out on a Tuesday. Yeah. And, and I'm like, what was your first reaction to the first trailer? It was. I almost couldn't believe it that we were getting another Star Wars movie, mm-hmm. and seeing the first trailer just made it incredibly real. Mm-hmm. And obviously, stuff was coming out before, uh, well before the trailer, that you know the old cast would be back: Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, and the moment in. The, the trailer where you see Han and Chewie for the first time was like, oh, this is this is really happening. Yes. And I remember the first time I saw it because I was at work and like we're all watching it on a friend's iPhone and we're just like in awe and we had it plugged into the car speaker. So we're having the car speakers playing it. And I had it. It was immediately I loved the first trailer, but I love the parody, Disney parody of it, which I know is the bane of its existence because like – John, like when John Boyega stands up and like he has like Mickey Mouse ears on. <laughs> My favorite moment is like the like little snippets of like the stormtroopers coming down in the uh, the shuttle. Somebody like uh, photoshopped Goofy's face on top of it and I put his audio on it, so it's like cluck 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 door shelf. Have you seen the Matthew McConaughey reaction, reaction? to it? Yeah, yes. so he just it's from innocently just crying. <laughs> And that was just, me. He's just, just smiling and waving. Like, it's just perfect. And Vicky, what was your reactions to it? Well, first off, the stormtroopers are going to be the vein of my existence, okay? <laughs> just the fact that you had the decency when we first saw this movie to turn around and do the goofy laugh. Yeah, like when the- <laughs> I-, I wanted to kill you right there and then. It's like a movie starting, and like a movie opens really quickly, and like the stormtroopers come down to exterminate that... Uh, Village and I lean over and go. <laughs> <laughs> and really <laughs> oh my god! I'm going to kill this man in front of thousands of people. Like I seriously will hurt this man. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> but going back to the trailer, I think it gave me shivers. Like you said, when you first see Chewie and Han Solo, you're like, oh my gosh, yay! <laughs> I think I cried actually at one point too because oh. I was like. That's my childhood right there, my friends. <laughs> um, and it's just like one of those things where you're saying like Carrie, like Carrie Fisher, uh, Harrison Ford, and Mark Hamill coming back. And then it's like, yes, we have a mumbler, a drunk, and the Joker coming back to <laughs> the Star Wars. <laughs> I'm sorry, Carrie Fisher. Like, like you, ha- like she's definitely like she's battled the demons, and she seems to come out on top. And I'm thankful for that. And she just provides to a lot of comedy, like when she was doing the press tour for it, and I could not stop laughing. All right, so when did you see it? Did you see it opening day? I saw it the yeah Friday, the Friday night that it opened. Okay, so but, I, I not like late, not like you know, yes, late Thursday night into Friday. Oh, okay, but uh, a full, I guess, day after it had been released. So you're walking up to the theater, and you got your ticket. And you finally get to see the sequel to Return of the Jedi now 25 years later. And it was it was strange because I wasn't expecting to get tickets. 22 for years later. My, my apologies. Math. You know. Skills. <laughs> Good job, Copernicus. I, I'm a broadcaster. I'm not a mathematician. Damn it, I'm a broadcaster, not a mathematician. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm just talking to myself. <laughs> Go on, Justin. Nothing new there. <laughs> anyway, I didn't. I didn't expect to get tickets for that night or even that weekend. I just happened to be online looking for tickets a couple of days in advance, and I'm like, "There are Star Wars tickets for tonight." So I texted like uh, a, a whole bunch of friends that I have. Yes, there are friends that I have other than you. No, no one's gonna believe me. No. I believe the people I met at the bar one that were paid actors. Yes, yes. Well, <laughs> the one that looks like my cousin. Which one? It was like like a friend of a friend who was like the film guy who went to Quinnipiac. Looks like a oh, cousin okay. Logan. Okay, yes. <laughs> sorry, they totally just killed the the momentum of that conversation. Go on, you go. So I wasn't face. expecting to get tickets, and all of a sudden, it's two hours before the show, and I'm printing out my tickets at home, and I'm just like, oh. Yes, I just I just pulled off one of the best ticket grabs in in the history of Cirillo. So. <laughs> <laughs> is there a, is there a big history to the history of Cirillo? Is it like you is, know how many movies I've seen? There are, obviously isn't a big history. Uh, all right, all right, I'll, I'll give you that. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I went to go see it. The theater was packed. Yeah, which was really pleasing to see because usually when I go. To movies, it's either, you know, three weeks after a movie came out or... And they're porn theaters. <laughs> or in the middle of the day and, like, no one's there. There's maybe ten other people in the audience. But this one, every seat in the house was packed. And at one point, because I was pretty close to the screen, mm-hmm. maybe about five or six rows back, and right before the opening uh, scroll road, I just... Looked back and saw, you know, an entire auditorium full of of people, and it was like, wow. <laughs> and Vicky and I saw the movie together, and we have a little bit of an interesting story getting to the theater. Oh my god! So I'm going to leave her to tell that story. I swear to God, we do not do well under certain kinds of pressure. <laughs> we're heading there, and we're driving, and. He's driving, and I'm not paying attention. Clearly, he wasn't. And all of a sudden, he turns around and goes, was that the turn? I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. Was it? He's like, I can't believe it. We missed the turn. Now we have to make a U-turn. He was so stressed out at that point that I was ready to just duck and roll out of the car. <laughs> Did you see that Island 16? Oh no! We saw it at Port Jeff Cinemas because I, I missed I missed the turn too because I'm like oh my god it's Star Wars I'm finally gonna see it oh <laughs> well, well that was the turn also really excited about that too but um were you talking about the police moment where we the music was up really loud and I think we were either listening to the Mad Max soundtrack or um, something or I think we were listening to Die Hard. We were initially listening to Die Hard on the way there, and I switched over to the Asteroid Belt uh, Chase from Empire Strikes Back because nice. I'm a loser, <laughs> and I subject you to I subject you to my movie soundtracks at all the time. And then, yeah, so I'm driving and I'm listening to that, and because I was going up, and I already made a mistake turning onto Mill Country in the first place. I should have gone up to 347 to take that down. So I'm like, this still leads me to 112 anyway. I'll go down Mill Country, but it's Saturday afternoon. Around Christmas time, mm-hmm. in middle country. Oof. So we get to we were all right. So we make a left. So we're trying to like head towards one twelve, and and I see something. I thought I see like a twelve. And I'm like, was that the turn? And I'm just like, 
like I, I don't know and I'm like and of course I get really I, I can get really flustered really easily can you uh, yeah it's it, the fire engine uh, signal on top of my head kind of should like be like yo like he gets flustered easily so like go in the U-turn and push my four cylinder as hard as I could like doing the turn like mm-hmm. I'm going like 60 miles an hour like hey this is as fast as this thing could really go and like this is how fast it takes me to get to 60 miles an hour and I'm just like alright I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine so we end up getting to the theater three minutes to spare yes and luckily like it's the like the barcode on the screen just to like oop scan it got our tickets we get in and it was in the middle of the ad for Zootopia and it was like and it's the like if you've seen the ads like with slop like yes! it's like <laughs> I what laughing do you call and and, and, and and I we immediately we sat down in because it has stadium sitting seating where it just like goes straight down we get the last row it wasn't that hundred percent packed but then again they had two theaters running at the same time and it's just like and it's like as soon as we sit down we just see the the sloth react to the joke just like the slow. <laughs> and, just, and then immediately just took all the stress away. I'm just like, all right, I I, I can't be angry anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the crawl begins, and then Luke Skywalker has vanished, and the movie proceeds. Now, if you could sum up your feelings at the end of the movie in one sentence, what would it be? <laughs> Uh, I was amazed by it. Oh my goodness. I think Justin said it, like, took my breath away, kind of on that same level as Mad Max took my breath away. Mm -hmm. I thought it was absolutely amazing. I didn't want to leave the theater. I just wanted to sit there until the next showing, (laughs) just to watch it again. My friend did that. He just stayed there for... I, this is, I think, on a Sunday night. He just stayed in the theater for the next show. <laughs> and I remember um, I saw it for the third time this past week with my dad. The theater was packed. And I'm like, and this is like weeks later. I'm just like, holy crap. And we'll get into the economic uh, fascination is with the release of this movie. Now, movie... So let's give a brief synopsis. We're like a half an hour into the podcast. Let's give a brief synopsis of the movie we're reviewing. All right. So this is 20, 30 years after Return of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. And there's still parts of the Empire remaining. There's a Republic, but the Empire still wants to run their shit. Of course. So um, Luke Skywalker has the opening title. Crawl reveals has vanished, mm-hmm. and everyone is looking for him. The Imperials, and I'll call I'm going to call them Imperials, even though it's the First Order, right? Uh, but Kylo Ren and the First Order want to find Luke Skywalker so that they can finish the job, mm-hmm. and Leia and the New Republic, and eventually all the new characters we are introduced to want to find him. In order to restore peace. And the one, the real brilliant thing about this movie is that it pays homages to the entire uh, series, but also it respects the original actors who are in this movie. Yes, all the original, like Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, and Princess Leia are all in this, as well as Peter Mayhew, Mm -hmm. Anthony Daniels, and I think... um, Kenny Baker. Kenny Baker, I think he was a consultant. I don't think he actually was in. I I, I doubt Abrams will put him in the R two D two 
costume at his age. Yeah, no. Okay. That may become his tomb. <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I know it's a, so different. Yeah, because I'm not seeing him on the cast list right well, it's now. Not the full cast list. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm not <laughs> we have IMDb open because pre-production is a good thing. Uh, I do not see him. Warwick Davis is an MVP who played uh, in the walk in uh, Return of the Jedi. But before we go into that, um, let's start with like the first of the new characters we introduce is is BB-8, <laughs> technically. <laughs> Your feelings are BB-8. Um, he was everything that George Lucas wishes Jar Jar Binks could have been. Yes, I'll agree to that. He, without, you know, there's a lot of childish humor, but it's well-timed and it's not, it doesn't hit you, like, too over the top with it. It's just, you know, it makes a scene with a little bit of drama a little bit light-hearted. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it it's... You know, the the perfect comic relief. Almost like how R2 was in the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not like he's not stepping in poop or right. anything like yeah. that. Or getting hit or getting zapped between the couplings of a pod racer and being like and have like a really bad like case of like hot mouth or something like that. <laughs> and the stuff he does get into, it's like a product of his environment. Like he's in the Falcon, and he doesn't have any arms, and the Falcon goes to do a backflip, and he goes up in the air and falls down. Yeah. It's hilarious to watch, but you're like, <laughs> it's just, you know, something that happens. Mm-hmm. And your feelings on BB-8? I love BB-8, okay? If I can take that little soccer ball thing home with me, I, I would, and keep him forever, because I love him. <laughs> and like, people were, like, worried about it, because everybody thought about that big charger, Biggs. Right. And everybody was concerned about it. Do you have any concerns about like that? No, not really. Um, like, I think it was Love at First Sight when I saw him on the... Um, Oh, what is it? The um, the movie trailers. I can't think of it. Sorry, the movie trailers. I was like, I think I like it. I don't know, but I really want to see more of it. Give me more of it. Right. I just want to give it a hug. Like for something that's so blank, it holds so many expressions, and I love it. <laughs> it's almost like the Wall-E effect. Yeah, that shouldn't have. It shouldn't pull the heartstrings or anything like that, but it shouldn't have our emotions attached to it, yet it does. It emotes so much. And the fact that the majority of it was a practical effect, I think, helps because it's grounded in the reality. And that's one of the things that I think is a big success to this movie that you could argue is a success over the prequels is a tactileness. Now, if you look at science fiction movies before Star Wars, you get like 2001 Space Odyssey mm-hmm. or like Planet of the Apes, like their spaceships and stuff like that. Everything seems very... It's everything's cold. Everything's very just like no dust or anything. Like nothing's lived in. But then you see like Star Wars, everything's lived in. Everything's kind of old and used. And then you look at everything after post Star Wars, you think of like Alien or Blade Runner, Outland, Firefly, or any any big science fiction after that. They have a kind of feeling like, all right, this is a world that people have lived in. This is not just a pristine, this is not an art museum. And I think it's what things with. BB-8 being a prime example that J.J. Abrams captured that the prequels didn't because yes. now you could argue prequels like it's a renaissance everything is new and exciting and stuff like that 
uh, it's bland and boring. I mean, the the prequels, the the everything in the background seemed lifeless. Because it was all green screen sets. This there's something about this movie where everything is awesome. Full no, everything is like full of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, even like take for example a Jakku. You have the desert landscape, and then in the background. A massive star destroyer crashed into the into the planet. I mean, I, I I love our time on Tatooine. I mean, Jakku. I'm sorry. That's that's going to be another that yeah. could fall under the criticism of well, this movie, but we'll get to that eventually. But I, it's you, you. You look at um the first scene Ray is in when she's diving down into the engine of the star destroyer. Yes, it feels like she's in. An abandoned ship. Yeah. In the prequels, you you just got that sense. No matter where they were, they're on a stage, on a set, mm-hmm. and everything behind them isn't really there. And it, it is a like a factor of like location shooting can be a problem. I mean, you look at any any disastrous productions like. For Star Wars, like shooting in Tunisia, Tunisia, and like all the problems of their sets being destroyed by a massive sandstorm and storms that have not happened there for fifty years, because the weather. Whenever there's a big production, the weather always seems to turn on the filmmakers, mm-hmm. whether it be that or Apocalypse Now or many others. And so I understand why Lucas didn't want to deal with that. Plus, it was probably just cheaper to have everybody go to one place rather than shoot them all across the world. However, then you look at movies like. Force Awakens or Mad Max, which was shot on location in Africa, and you or feel the original the wor- Star Wars. or the original Star Wars, you feel the world they're inhabiting. Mm-hmm. And so, and my feelings on BBA before we go on with the original characters is that I thought he was lovable, but it wasn't like those things like he, like Jar Jar, like oh he's cutesy, you better love him. He earned the, the feelings that the audience gave him. And there's one moment I I misinterpreted the first time I saw it. When Finn is talking about like trying to like yo I'm the, I'm a stormtrooper I need your help just lie for me I thought when BB-8 tells him uh, Ray where the secret base is and he gets like the thumbs up I misinterpreted I thought it was the middle finger I thought I thought BB-8 is just like fine I just leave I just like it's like there you go and I'm like oh, I laughed a lot harder than everybody else in that theater that first time I'll admit that. The same thing too that he flipped him off, but I guess I was wrong as well. So <laughs> because of like I don't know, maybe because our mind is just in the gutter. We just think of just really vulgar things, so. <laughs> just vulgar I, things at all times. Because I saw it and I was like, a th- "Oh, a thumbs up." That's I think because I texted Jackson because we uh, Vicky and I went to the diner <laughs> afterwards. And then we went Christmas shopping, and I told him that he's like, "Don't you mean the thumbs up?" And I'm like, "Oh, the oh. thumbs up." All right. So does, is, does when Jackson misinterp when Jackson has to correct you on a misinterpretation for the middle finger, that's when you know you've misinterpreted something. A broken clock is still right twice a day. Okay. <laughs> also, for the fact that it's Disney, and I just thought of this now. <laughs> Why would they give this, yeah, this robot the middle finger? If it's, it's a child's Disney? character. <laughs> exactly. Songs of the South. That was old. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
<laughs> like it's like it's the only Disney movie that probably would never get a Blu-ray release. I, I, I've accepted this, but <laughs> I'm surprised Disney's like for the last time before we destroy the records, before we destroy the negatives of this movie. <laughs> Bill Cosby has lapsed on his ownership of it, so we have regained the rights. I'm kidding. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he sells his rights for his legal fees. Just saying. Moving on. Uh, your feelings, Justin, on the character of Poe. <laughs> Poe Dameron was the moment I knew this film would be good. And it's probably the third or fourth line of the movie when he's captured by Kylo Ren. And there's this awkward silence. And then he just goes, all right, who talks first? I talk first. You talk first. <laughs> How does this work? And instantly, I knew it was a likable character, one that I could relate to, mm-hmm. and a sign of things to come for the rest of the movie. And then I love like Kylo speaks, and then he's like, "I can't really understand you." Like the filter is this really, <laughs> it's really distracting right now. And um, Vicky, your feelings on Isaac Asimov's uh, Isaac Asimov, Isaac <laughs> Oscar Isaac's uh, performance of Poe. Good job. Um, I thought he was great, honestly. Um, he was that smart-ass character that you're like, yeah, this movie definitely needed that smart-ass character. Like, going back to, again, the Kylo Ren scene, it's like, okay, yeah, that was perfect to break that up. Yes. So, yeah, I, I liked him. I liked him. Um, and, I, and I, this is two really great performances from Oscar uh, Isaac this year. That other one being Ex Machina, which is another great science fiction movie, which I highly recommend. That's a very different role for him, and he's going to be the villain in X Men Apocalypse. He's playing Apocalypse, Ooh. so it, Oscar Isaac's like, I guess we've seen the end of him doing in, like some indie movies, unless he's just like, mm, I want to, uh, re- <laughs> um, my credibility to come back as an actor. You see that with certain actors, like they'll do like the big blockbusters, then they'll eventually do, and if like if certain like A list actresses, like they'll do the big like family movies or blockbusters, then they do the naughty independent movie where they they bear all. I have noticed this trend. Don't mind me. <laughs> I'm not judging. Oh, I'm sure. This doesn't surprise me one bit. All right, at least it doesn't surprise you. Then I think it's okay. <laughs> um, and and I think the funniest moment that that you kind of brought up that I can't un- unsee the scene now is when Finn and Poe are reunited at uh, after the assault on the uh, palace where uh, Ray is taken. Okay, that... It just... Oh my god, they need to kiss. I'm sorry. But that is such a bromance. But it's such an overwhelming bromance that you kind of want to grab both their heads and go, okay, now kiss. Just kiss. That's all I want. It doesn't have to be a romantic kiss. It just has to be like a little peck. And then I'll be happy. And it was just, it, it is that, like, my best friend. Oh, my gosh. You know, like, it, it, all I could say is that they just need to kiss. <laughs> and my favorite meme that come out of this movie is, like, I want to look, I want to have somebody to look at me like Poe looks like a fit with that jacket on. <laughs> it looks good on you. Uh, it's, like, it's the most awkward freeze frame that I see. It's like, mm. <laughs> it's so uncomfortable, and and I like the fact that like he this is one of those things that like sets up the new world of like all right these are the characters that we can follow and these are people that we want to 
see what where they came from, where the adventures they're going to go on. And since we brought up Finn beforehand, Justin, your feelings on Finn, by played by John Boyega. Uh, he did a really good job with the character, and I think not a lot of people are talking enough about how he played Finn. He's the audience surrogate for the for the movie. Explain. Um. Like, if, if you're a Star Wars fan, average Star Wars fan, you're like, oh, man, being a stormtrooper, it's got to be really awesome. Mm. If you were actually in a stormtrooper army and you were told, all right, murder all the civilians, you'd be like, oh, oh. fuck no. <laughs> and it's, Normal it, people. Yes, normal people. And there's something that we'll, I'll get into later in a video that I showed you today that like the empire has always been space Nazis. There's always been a parallel. It's an allegory for space Nazis and run by Weasley and somebody, <laughs> all right, I'll bring it up now. As somebody took stock footage of a, uh, a Hitler, uh, um, uh, speech and put the audio of like before they fire the star killer base. It's like, this will be the end of the Republic. And everybody like, uh, salutes Hitler, and that's when you hear the sound of like all the storm, the first order troops like shush, throw their arms in the air. I'm like, oh my god, this is really uncomfortable right now. But I could not stop laughing <laughs> because I, it is terrible taste in humor, <laughs> obviously. And go on, you were saying more about like his being the surrogate for the audience, Finn. So he sees all this unspeakable horror, and he's like, no, there's there's no way I'm, I'm doing this. I'm gonna do whatever I can to help make things right and so he um knows that Poe has been captured and is like you wanna, you wanna break out of here? Let's do it. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> I need a pilot. You need a way out. Let's, let's do this. And Vicky, your feelings on uh, Finn overall? I liked him. Honestly, I do have my favorite characters. He's kind of on the bottom. Um, but going back to what you said about the whole Stormtrooper thing, um, keep this in mind that Stormtroopers out of the womb were taken from their families, brainwashed completely, and trained as fighters. Finn, however, was again taken, brainwashed, and all that fun stuff. But he had a defect of where all of a sudden now he has a conscience. And it's like... What? Well, what he said it, well, he said it was his first battle. So yeah. it's his first time actually seeing everything. And it's one thing to, you know, be indoctrinated in something. It's another thing to actually go out there and witness something happening. Witness! That's true. Sorry. But out of how many thousands, millions, however many stormtroopers there were, why out of this one had this defect? When everybody else was like, no, just kill them all, whatever. That's that's how I put it. But like you said, it is a good simulation for the rest of the audience to be like, wow, is that really what a stormtrooper feels like? Like, wow. And I thought he was a good part of this movie of, you know, I can relate to you. You have a conscience. You know, if I were in your shoes, I wouldn't do it either, you know. But I liked him, you know. That's, that's much as I can say about him. <laughs> um, and I, it was funny because somebody, somebody like Kevin Smith, like made like Clerks. Like, a lot of it was based off like Star Wars. Like there's a lot of Star Wars humor throughout of Kevin Smith's entire filmography. And like one of the biggest things is this 
discussion between two characters, Randall, Dante, and Clerks, talking about that the, the building of the second Death Star, that the the Empire would have to hire out a lot of independent contractors to finish the second Death Star as quickly as possible. And Randall reflects, like, you think a stormtrooper knows about trying to uh, install a water main? All he knows how to kill is killing in white uniforms. And then we find out Finn is actually part of sanitation before that. And so a lot of people are pointing out on Kevin Smith's Twitter that that him and Abrams are kind of like kind of like mutual friends and stuff like that. Like, that line is in for you. And he's like, <laughs> if that's – and he's like, I doubt that is. But if that is the case, if in some weird way that is, it's a weird way of like my whole life and like my success was based on talking about Star Wars. Now Star Wars is talking about me. <laughs> this is really strange. And I love that like – that Finn, like, kind of, like, it's supposed to be, like, the atypical action hero at one point, like, grabs Ray's hand to run out of an act of a, <laughs> uh, of a situation, and Ray immediately, like, yanks her hand away from it, and it's supposed to show this is not your typical Star Wars movie, this is not your typical action movie, and that will be a nice way to segue into Ray. but one last thing I want to say is that a lot of the comedy, there's a lot of comedy this movie comes from Finn, his actions, whether he's in over his head in a situation or just reacting to the world around us because we would react the same way. Um, like when he first meets Han and Chewie and they're in the hold and like <laughs> and then Ray can understand Chewbacca. He's like, you understand thing? I understand you. Yeah. <laughs> now get out of the hold. <laughs> as, as, as grouchy Han Solo says. Now since we brought up Ray feelings on Rey as a character. Uh, one of my favorite Star Wars characters. Yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll she give is, that. Um, a modern Star Wars character because pretty much everyone ever in the Star Wars universe is a white man. Yes. And... Besides Lando Calrissian is killed 45. Uh, <laughs> I was Harvey Dent once and was replaced by Tommy Lee Jones. Ah. Uh, sorry. <laughs> he better come up in episode eight. I, I'm sorry. He better show I, up. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll be pissed. I will not be happy. No. Go on. Um. But yeah, it's it's a fresh look at Star Wars. Um. And there's a lot of mystery to her character as well. There's um. I think one of the biggest complaints people have had about. The movie is that the character of Rey is almost too perfect, mm-hmm. and that she doesn't have any faults. But that's the thing; she does, though. Well, she well, she gets easily beaten by Kylo Ren the first time they meet. Yeah, and then you slowly see her learning everything. Yeah, and but like you gotta think of the fact that like Bill Finger won like the probably the person who has the most. Sorry, Bob Kane, you came up with the idea and you sold Bill Finger's ideas, and Bill Finger never spoke up. That's an, I'll tell you that story off mic about Bill Finger. Bill Finger would always write when he would introduce a villain to a Batman comic, there would always be three altercations. The villain would win the first time, there would be a stalemate the second time, and then the hero would win in the third time. So a lot of like early Batman stories would be like that. And it seems like that's kind of like the idea that's being done here, that... Kyle Ren was just toying with Ray the first time they met. Second time they seem to be in match because he was wounded and he's out of practice and she's just discovering right, let's her not forget that. Yeah. And but then she has the she has this kind of like crippling like I don't, I don't want to say need to be a Jakku thinking Jakku thinking that her family's going to come back. 
because she's like, no, I got to get back and thinking that her family is going to come back to her. I mean, like not willing to go on the adventure and not willing to like deal with what's going on right now, I think is I think, something that you, you could argue as a fault. I I don't think so. It's, it's just, that's like, you can, it's, it's a, argument gets the criticism for her. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's pretty much the typical hero's journey. Heroes yes. offer quest. Refuses initially. Refuses initially, and then something happens that forces them to take it. Right. I mean, if you you do the hero's journey to all three of the original Star Wars movies, and they, they pretty much be for me, especially the first one. Mm-hmm. And the same thing happens with this one because you one of the other Christmas movies like a remake of the original movie, but we'll get into that in a moment. Vicky, your feelings on Ray? I love Ray. I thought she was such a kick-ass character Mm -hmm. especially in the feminist point of view for me i'm like all right that's how you do a female character just like mad max she was strong she was independent she was able to be stabbed and still was able to kill the bad guy Mm -hmm. now going back to what you said about her not really having a lot of faults she does Keep this in mind, she knew nothing of her past. And then all of a sudden, Han Solo, Finn, and all these other people come in. And she's like, what's going on? What's happening? And then she finds the lightsaber, and it just it just hits her like a ton of bricks. And she got really scared to a point where she just ran. Mm-hmm. And I think if you that, to me, is a fault. Because she had so much hope for her family. Now, hope is a tricky thing. You can either have too much of it or too little of it. Mm-hmm. As in Ray's point of view, she had way too much of it to a point where it was holding her back. Mm-hmm. But eventually she let it go. I guess you could say she let it go. I don't know. But by the way, your facial expression is. No, I, I was just, just, just seeing a frozen. Yeah, so was I. Let it go. Especially since this opened oh, Disney. I was like, oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended there, my friends. Um, <laughs> where was I saying now? It's like, she stagnated because she had too much hope for her family. Yeah, and it, it scared her. It scared her a lot, and I think putting myself in her shoes, that would scare the crap out of me, too. Like, my family's not coming back. I just had a vision of this. What is happening? I don't even know who I am anymore. Like, I now all of a sudden have these powers of the Force, and I can use a lightsaber, and it just... It, mind explosion and i think that's that's her fault or her defect or whatever like i said defects and stuff um that she thinks she knows it all by sitting on jakku waiting for her family and everything like no this is my plan this is where i'm staying and all of a sudden it just breaks free and she eventually learns to go with the flow but it takes her a while to do that mm-hmm. you know but other than that i thought she was just such a kick-ass character i just i wanted to be her right. like that's all <laughs> i have to say is that i wanted to be her <laughs> i bet you the number one costume next year is, is gonna be is gonna be ray or at, least, at least like the biggest female character like, where you go as her i will not go as her Nonsense. i will go as the first order trooper tr adar the guy who calls uh finn a traitor and he's become like a kind of like internet meme for the past couple days it's like every generation needs a hero. It's oh, like Hugh McGregor, Obi-Wan, Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker, and then him with the, like, baton with the that, that could deflect the lightsaber. He's my friend. Cool. So is I. I. <laughs> Traitor! And I'm just like, oh. And, and I, I you should gotta, definitely go as General Hooks. 
Oh, I should go with General Hux. I got arrested for war crimes <laughs> as I go from house to house. <laughs> this like, will be the end of your Halloween. Halloween. A holiday that acquiesces to disorder. <laughs> and the new day of the Republic! <laughs> passes a kidney stone in the middle of that speech. It's like, oh, it's finally gone. Oh, I feel much more comfortable now. <laughs> And like I was saying, I love Daisy Ridley's performance. Uh, she, like much like Finn, she's a way in for us. And like you, Vicky, you were saying like she's very confident in the world she lives in on Jakku. Like like she goes, scavenges, goes back, and gets her food and waits. And like that, you could say that stat like being stagnant is like her defect. Or if you wanted to sh- silence the critics, there's one moment that you kind of pointed out after the first viewing. All right, so she goes up to that big Imperial um, Star Destroyer that's crash-landed, and she goes up that hill with her metal panda hold, like, gear and stuff like that. It's, like, practically 90 degrees up. Yeah. And so you have to say, she has to, cl- she has to drag that big metal piece behind her every day so she can ride the way down. I was imagining, like, oh, my God, that must be terrible to have to climb that up in the middle of the desert. But... Stop halfway. It's, yeah. a, I, it's actually, you know... There's a lot of comparisons between this movie and A New Hope. But I think one of the major differences is the hero's journey a little bit at first. Mm -hmm. In A New Hope, Luke Skywalker wants to get the hell off Tatooine as much as possible. Because he hates it there. He knows he could probably be a fire pilot at at the academy. Yeah, That's what he wants to do. And he's held back by his... Mostly his uncle. Yeah. But then when Obi-Wan offers him, like, you have to come with me to Alderaan, what does he do? He refuses. In this one, it's... Rey is forced out of her situation where she's very comfortable being in. And then when Han offers her the job... She's like, no, no. I have to go back. Mm Mm-hmm. And all right, so since we brought, we've we've been dancing around that issue the entire before we go on with the rest of the characters, I think we should, should address it. The plot structure of this versus the plot structure of A New Hope. Now, Abrams has said that if that's not one of his favorite movies, it is his favorite movie, and it makes sense to all right. We want to wash away the sins that could be associated with the prequels, and want to go back to something that fans fell in love with in the first place in 1977. So what do you do? You hire the writer of Raiders of the Lost Ark, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi to do it with you. And so do you think this is a remake of A New Hope? No, because when I watched it both the first and second time, I was much more invested in what happened to Luke Skywalker than I was in why the hell are they attacking this base? Mm -hmm. And yes, structurally it is... Very similar. You have this planet-destroying weapon. You have an assault on the base. You have... An opening where the stormtroopers are actually a threatening force. Then the big baddie Jedi or evil Sith Lord comes down to inspect the situation. Looking for an information that's hidden in a droid. In a droid. I get all that. But I think if you ask me what is the main plot of of this movie... I wouldn't say it's a new hope where literally the the only plot is rescue the princess, blow up the base before it blows us up. Right. This is 
let's find Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, halfway through the movie, here's this other threat that they have to take out. Yeah. This is a story of Billy Joel and Bobby Sue. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to throw in a Steve Miller band reference there. Now, Vicky, your opinions on people saying this is just a new hope done again. Honestly, I don't think so. Um, but I do believe that, especially when it comes to movies, I believe you have said this to me quite some times, actually. Quite a few times, actually. Um, that based on movies, especially the Star Wars and Star Trek and anything that has like a large field like that, nothing really has an original idea. Everything is based off something. Yes. Saying like... This movie, The Force Awakens, is based off the New Hope. Yeah, I can say there's little details here and there. But is it New Hope? No, it's not. There's definitely some different characteristics there and all that. Yeah, It really, to me, felt like a cross between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, where you have the main assault on the base, which is like, um, you know... I guess at that point it becomes the main story or the main thread at least. Yeah. But also you have that really personal confrontation on the planet itself with Han, Rey, Kylo Ren, and and Finn and, and Chewie too. And that gives it that feel that Empire Strikes Back has of being really intimate, you know, Probably my biggest complaint with the new hope is that in the final stretch of the movie, you don't see the heroes interacting with the villains face to face. It's all through a ship, and you really get that. You really lose that, you know, face to face drama where you can see the emotion on everyone. Whereas in Empire Strikes Back and in this movie as well, you have that. I think it's the reason why, like, one probably you could argue the most famous scene in Star Wars history is when Luke and Darth finally meet face to face and have that lightsaber duel that ends badly for him physically and emotionally. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it's funny that you say it's amalgam of like A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Now, when they were building the Millennium Falcon, they had there was two sets of uh, blueprints for the cockpit of Millennium Falcon. One for when they made it for Empire, and one for when they made it for New Hope. So they're kind of like, hey, well, we'll just make an amalgam of the two and put them together. <laughs> so I find that kind of funny. Then there's a weird connection like that. All right. Since we have talked about the new characters and that we love them, let's talk about the old characters coming back. Your feelings on Han Solo, Harrison Ford's performance in this? The first time I saw, it, I was underwhelmed a little bit because I'm like, wow, he seems. Really old, beat up, and worn down. Yeah. There were definitely a couple of lines that he was just like... Grumble, grumble, grumble. Part-time. Uh, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> Are you a professor? Part-time. Part-time. That was one line in the trailer. Part-time. There we go. See, that, that sounded like he was actually putting... Effort. And he does have those lapses here. But when I watch it the second time... It's a subtle performance. It's... Yes. It's... Those are intentional lapses. It's to make him seem really worn down because as the movie reveals, after Return of the Jedi, things did not go well 
for anyone at all, really. And it's and like you're saying, like we're saying, it's a subtle performance. My favorite, like my favorite moments is when they bring up Luke Skywalker to uh, when Ray and Finn bring up Luke Skywalker to Han. Han's in the foreground. And the two of them are following him down the hallway, and he stops. And if you look at his face, and like that's one of the best things that Han Solo, uh, Harrison Ford is an actor. Is he is a very subtle actor, just watching his physical manifestation of it. And you got to admit, this is his brother-in-law that's kind of screwed up his family, not intentionally, of course, but has that it torn apart his marriage and his relationship to his son. And then he asks, "Is like, yeah, I know him." And I feel like if he, it's going to be like one of those, if they ever got a chance to meet face to face again, I feel like he would have clocked Luke for what <laughs> he had done. It's kind of like when, um, an empire strikes back after he's being tortured, he gets in, sees Lando again. He's like, my friend and just, just it clocks him and then he falls down himself. And I'm like, that's something that he would do. And my feelings on Harrison Ford's performance is like, it's, Seems like the most joy he's ever had in a movie in a long time. Yeah. He definitely seemed like he was having fun. He smiled, and I'm like, holy <laughs> shit, the muscles haven't, like, atrophied in his face anymore. <laughs> he can smile. <laughs> and and it's mainly because, like, he's... Maybe it's because of my feelings on, like... He's not had the most positive relationship to Han Solo as, as a character. He, he definitely seems more warm to Indiana Jones than the other work he's done. And fun fact... Movie regarding Henry, which is like a real tearjerker, and that's about when Harrison Ford is like this kind of like shark of a uh, defense attorney gets shot in the head during a, a bodega robbery and loses all of his memories. So he's pretty much starting again, and it's like his whole life. Like his daughter's teaching him how to tie his shoes, and he's like, "How did you learn to do that?" It's like you taught me, and then all he starts to realize what kind of a person he was at, before the accident. Written by J.J. Abrams before he hmm. was known as a director. Wow. So, but it's under his, like, like it's not J.J. Abrams. It's, like... His uh, actual yeah, name. Yeah. And I'm just, like... And I remember that, like, watching that. I'm, like, J.J. Like, Abrams. I'm, like, well, no. No. That can't oh, be an yes. IMDb. One IMDb look later. I'm, like, holy crap, it is. Now, uh, like, Vicky, your feelings on uh, Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford's performance. I love I don't care if he's playing a drunken monkey or whatever. I love Harrison Ford to the T. I think he's just a phenomenal actor. And bringing back Han Solo, like you said, his face lit up. Like, he had a good time. And I think the most memorable part for me was when um, he confronts his son, Kylo Ren. Um I almost just lost it. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What's going to happen? Oh, my gosh. And then when he stabs him, I'm like, ah, why? <laughs> I think what would have made that scene that just a smidgen better, and I think I told you this, was um, if Han Solo turned to his son and went, I love you, and Kylo Ren would go, I now push and I think that would just that would have just irked me right there. Like I want to hate you so much right now. Like why? And a, and a thousand nerds across the world yelled out in I anger. Was so <laughs> like, but also, like I said, Han Solo does die in the confrontation that he has trying to save his son. And I think actually we 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 kind of skipped over Ky- we skipped Kylo Ren, but like when we talk about the new characters and. Star Wars proves the fact that we don't need railings. 
because that long bridge no. is definitely like I, I guess the same thing when they built the Death Star, the the whoever is union for the Empire has no rights. Yet to, on I mean, the platforms on either side had railings. <laughs> I just find that kind of funny. I know it's for dramatic uh, purpose because it would just look a little awkward and like just go. I mean, if if they had the railing, he would have fallen over anyway yeah. with all that weight. And, I, and I'm just saying, and I, 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 when I saw that moment when he finally confronts his son, trying to get him back to the light side, I like the first thing I thought of is Temple of Doom, with a big scene at the end when he's on the bridge and Malaram's army comes on either side of him. But you, like, you brought up Empire Strikes Back, and I'm like, holy crap, you're right. That is totally Empire Strikes Back right yeah. there. Um, so since we brought him up, Kylo Ren, I apologize that we skipped over him as a young character. <sighs> yeah. He, Finally, a Star Wars villain that actually seemed like a Star Wars villain. Yes, for like the first time in years. For the first time since Return of the, the Jedi. Emperor in Return of the Jedi. I mean, the only problem I had with Darth Maul is because he was killed off. He got Boba Fett pretty hard. Well, that and he was just there. Yeah. But who are you? Why are you here? Don't don't worry about it. I do flips. <laughs> I do flips. I have a cool lightsaber thing. I have apparently, you know, years of training, but no no one knows about me somehow in the <laughs> entire galaxy. <laughs> it's not like um, is it, it, to quote uh, Snatch when they like characters lose, we lost Gorgeous George. How do you fucking lose Gorgeous George? He's not exactly like a pair of car keys. <laughs> it's kind of hard. You, you kind of don't, even in the Star Wars universe, you kind of don't forget somebody looks like Darth Maul. Yeah. I mean, and as soon as like everyone sees Darth Maul for the first time when he attacks Qui-Gon, it's like, oh, there's this really odd guy with a lightsaber trying to attack me. Have there been any other reportings in the galaxy ever of this? Nope. Nope. Just Chuck Testa. This is why the prequels suck. They make my brain hurt. <laughs> so go on about Kylo Ren. <laughs> I love how you filled out a prequel hole there. <laughs> I mean, he's... Uh, from the first scene, Kylo Ren, you know, he is... <laughs> Do you want me to step out for a moment? No, no, no. Okay. We're just going to just banter to each other regardless. <laughs> It wouldn't take a moment anyway. This is bantering. I'm against bantering. <laughs> Go on. Anyway, from the first scene of the movie, when you see Kylo Ren, you're like, okay, this guy this guy means business. Yes. Um, and I like that he's very much unlike Darth Vader and unlike the Emperor... And Count Dooku and every other villain we've had in Star Wars. He gets mad and you see him flip out. Yeah. I mean, he's I think, petulant. That's the word I've, yeah. I've described him most accurately. He seems – I'm not sure what the actual age of, of Adam Driver is nor the age of Kylo Ren. But I'm assuming around my age, mid-20s, something like that. Um, he is – 1983. Wow, that's older than I was. Yeah. That's 33. Yeah. 33. Wow. I, I, I screwed up the math even more. Okay. 30, yeah. Yeah. He was, bo- he was born after Return of the Jedi was released. Wow, that's... To t- put it in perspective, everybody. Depressing. Yeah. 
But his character, I think, would be around. Let's say late age. mid mid twenties. Yeah, late twenties at at the most. But he he acts like a teenager, like a, a spoiled a spoiled kid who is very used to getting what he wants, and I assume that's the reason why he turned evil. Right. And so he has these these just like violent outbreaks where he destroys all the equipment in his room, and you know, in in a way that was very different than Darth Vader. Like Darth Vader, if you fucked up when when he was around you, he would just coldly and with v- quite calculatedly just kill you. Yeah, and he person like he seemed. Well collected, right? He never seemed to be at the rule of his emotions, and that's his character arc throughout. That when his emotions come back, that's why he saves Luke. With this, he seems like, like you gotta imagine, like say if you're like a teenager or early twenties, like our age, and you had superpowers, yeah, wouldn't you abuse them if you could? And, and that's what exactly it's kind of like. The movie Chronicle was kind of based about, and it's like, all right, it makes sense in that he's, and you got to think, Darth Vader had years and years of training, training, and to hone his skills, right? And I think that's one of the biggest things that him that he is not a well-oiled machine. No, he's re- he's rested on his loins. That's why he's not like a real sharp thing when it comes to battles when somebody really puts up a threat. He seems a lot like. Anakin from the prequels. He's what Anakin should have been. Right. Yes. That is a perfect way of saying it. Um, and just everything about his character, like his lightsaber, you can tell it's not like, you know, a well-constructed lightsaber. No. Like it looks like it was built by some teenager out in his garage while his parents weren't looking. Mm-hmm. And it's like... And it seems like it's it seems like it's, uh, like it's malfunctioning. It's it's not like yeah. a strong like it's just I know like, it's, very, it's very phallic, but I know it's not a strong thick saber or something like that. It's just the kind of <laughs> yes, I know. I, like I knew we were going down. The, it was going to be penis imagery anyway. So uh, as I, I yeah, so I'm just like and then and like the hilts and stuff like that. That definitely seems like you know what would be cool right now if I put this on here. It's like somebody putting like a spoiler on their car. Right, I could see that. Which I thought it was. When I first saw the lightsaber, I was like, that doesn't look all that special. Or yeah. like, it's trying to draw attention to itself on purpose. Mm-hmm. But as I watched the movie and afterwards when I, I finally knew Kylo Ren's story, I was like, oh, he probably just didn't build it correctly because mm-hmm. he murdered all the Jedi or what was going to be Jedi. Yeah. And Vicky, your feelings on Adam Driver's performance as Kylo Ren? I seriously love Adam Driver mm-hmm. as an actor. I loved him in Girls, um, and I love him in this. I think he's just so conflicted, and I feel like you almost feel sorry for him in a way because he's trying so hard to be something he he isn't. He's trying to be Darth Vader, like a Darth Vader ripoff. That's why he wears the mask and he's got the lightsaber. And But he's just doing it because he thinks that's what it is. He didn't have a proper teacher. Darth Vader, like you said, he's a bit more seasoned. Or was a bit more seasoned, I should say. Mm-hmm. He was a bit more seasoned. He had the training. He had a good lightsaber. He had the kick-ass mask, you know? 
Um, you know, but I think he still needs to grow as an individual. Like you said, he's just a teenager, or he somewhat is a teenager, mm. discovering who he is at this point. And that's why he has such a conflict between the good and the bad. Because he, he wants to go to this dark side, and he wants to be his grandfather powerful and strong. And I think that's what's disguising the fact, is the fact that he has to separate himself from that. He has to be Kylo Ren. He can't be Darth Vader. The one thing, though, that did disappoint me a little bit, and you could say otherwise, is when he finally reveals himself. I was like, oh, that's that? Really? Like, I think because it was such a big reveal when Darth Vader lifted off his mask, I was expecting something, not a botch job, but I was expecting... A little bit more gratuity from that. Maybe that's just me, but I didn't. I didn't mind the reveal that he is an actual human being because it makes the reason for him wearing the mask all that more um, pitiful. Mm-hmm. Because it's like he's at. He looks like you know someone who's. Who should be in control of the situation, no matter right. what his position is in life. And so to have to, or to think you have to wear a mask in order to intimidate everyone, or, you know, prove that you're, you know, this really right. strong leader, just, I think, plays into the fact how emotionally imbalanced he is. No, that's true. It's one of those things that, um, like, I think they, I think, because I think everybody expected, like, when, like, when Predator took up the helmet for the first time to see an alien underneath, or when Darth took his helmet off, it, like, they took it and they, like, did in pieces and everything like that. And I think, it, I think it was a conscious choice for Abrams to underplay it, just like, shwoom, it's off. And then you discover it's, it's a good looking guy underneath, and you're expecting, like, it's like, is he a monster like Darth? And you're like, no, he's just a kid that's just. You, you gotta think you, people who like grandchildren of the Nazi Party and they kind of believe that the Nazi Party was a good thing. You gotta think some of them probably like looked up to them, or people who are grandchildren of like original clan members probably looked up to them and tried too hard to be them. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's that's the way it's going. And I know we keep bringing up the Nazi imagery and stuff like that, but that's gonna be the transition to my, the next character we're gonna talk well, about. Let me quickly ask you: What did you think of? The reveal that Kylo Ren is Han's son. I think because like the, I texted you, what if we never knew that until that scene when right. Han Solo confronts him? You could argue. Somebody said like it could have been like I am your father. Scene done again, and it could have been a little cheesy. Yes, but like that it's a throwaway line earlier on. At first, I thought like oh, those the like if if you like at first I thought like oh that just kind of undercuts that mystery a little yeah. bit. But then again. If you heard, like, Han just yell out Ben, and then everybody would just be like, Wait, Wait. <laughs> I've been here before. Yeah. So that I think that was a fine line that they played it. In retrospect, I think it's a better idea that they played it off earlier on. What if they had made the reveal when Han and Leia are talking before they go off to blow up Starkiller Base? Ah, oh, that's a good question. I'm going to let you answer that one because I had a whole other thought process. All right. We'll come back to that idea. It could have been – it would have been like, oh. And then that – like if you – if we didn't know 
Han was Kylo Ren, like Kylo Ren's father, and we just see him looking at Kylo Ren when he's taking Rey off the right. planet, and why he's so determined. Like people probably be like, "Oh, he's taking away Rey." That's why he's so upset, and then realize, "Oh, that's a different emotion that he was playing at that moment." That could have worked. Like I said, they had choices, and I think they made like the safest choice mm-hmm. to make it just like, "All right." Because one of the things about this movie, it's pace, and it's a really pacey movie. And it's kind of like one of those things, like, oh, yeah, he's your father. Moving on. And people, the next scene, everybody's, like, looking in the theater, like... Yeah, I what? was like... Wait, what? Wait, what? That... No. But Star that's... Wars never stopped to explain a lot of things, with the exception of a handful of things. We don't understand how light, light speed works, why... It'll be explained later. Yes. Like, I'll explain later. <laughs> Insert how many Doctor Who plots have been just, like, <laughs> plot holes have just been, like, thrown aside because I'll explain later. What were you saying about, um, uh, we were talking about Kyler Ren and that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I guess going back to the lightsaber thing and light speed and stuff, I guess it's one of those things that the less you think about it, the more it makes sense. Yeah. But I feel like if you didn't know that he was Kylo Ren's father ahead of time, I feel personally that maybe his death wouldn't have been so dramatic. Mm. That I felt like, you know, it was just like, wait, you're his father and you just died? What is going on right now? I feel like it was a good idea to say, I'm his father. Mm. Okay, let's move on now. So that this way you have that base plot of, ooh, something's going to happen. Like, Oh my gosh, he just stabbed his dad. What is going on? Um, and it's one thing I know is like naming him Ben, obviously, which we're going to infer that was named after Ben Kenobi. Now, what, this, what we're given is that Luke was training a new order of Jedi and Ben was one of his students. Ben turned on everybody, murdered the rest of the school, and then disappeared. So... You got to take it from Luke's perspective of why he went into hiding. The his nephew, who's named after his mentor, murders the rest of your students because of you, and you could take that as probably as a personal failure. And the person's named after the person who mentored you in the first place. It makes sense why he would go on to be a hermit and mm-hmm. the first Jedi order. Like a lot of people question, like, why would he disappear? I'm like, yeah, you gotta think of all the guilt. You wonder what the life day uh, dinner would probably would be like next year. But like, yeah, oh. I have a few, a few uh, less uh, filled chairs this year. How you doing, Luke? I'm fine, I'm fine. Click, 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 click with his metal hand. And yes, I just had a, a Star Wars holiday special joke in there with Life Day. Go away. <laughs> um, but moving on from, do we have? Do you have any other things you want to talk about with Kylo Ren? No. Now, what we were saying, we brought up before about him trying too hard to be a badass. There's only one person who calls him out, or at least infers it, and that's General Hux. And he says, careful, uh, Ren, watch where you're going, where he says, he's not intimidated by him. He's in, he's he's intimidated by Supreme uh, Leader Snoke, which we'll get into who we think he is. But your feelings on General Hux? <laughs> Bill Weasley. <laughs> um, he was sort of like uh, Grand Moff Tarkin in this yes. movie. Um, in that sense where he was there just to watch over Kylo Ren and make sure that he followed everyone's orders. Mm-hmm. 
without being, uh, well, he ends up disregarding all the orders pretty much anyway. <laughs> he peaced out pretty fucking quickly when things hit the fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think we needed that sort of character, you know, because you have, you have Kylo Ren and you have this somewhat mysterious, really high top emperor type villain mm-hmm. in Snoke. But you don't have the middleman that Tarkin or uh, look at Empire um, Admiral Piet Admiral Piet or who was the uh, General Veers the the guy that Julian Glover played yes Um, did he die in Empire Strikes Back did his character die in Jedi no um, because he never shows up in Return of the Jedi it's probably too busy sh- shooting Doctor Indiana- Who. In- no, Indiana Jones. No, that was six years later. Uh, Last Crusade is 89. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Doctor Who, busy- I- he was Tom Baker was on around that time, so. No, this would have been. It'd be City like 1981 or 82. I think in the 70s. So. Okay, damn. Yeah. Um, James Bond, for your eyes only. Was around that time. For your Your eyes, eyes. for British eyes only. Wow, (laughs) we just had we just did a circle (laughs) of geek right there. We're bringing out so many things, but going on what you were saying that like it seems like General Hux was the Peter Cushing of this movie. You need a sort of imperial guy to to just you know hear the orders from up above. Just do what we say. Don't just don't kill us all with your crazy sorcerer's powers. Yeah. Just follow follow our lead. And you're kill feeling- these people, not <laughs> not us. Yeah. And your feelings on him? He's a Weasley. <laughs> <laughs> Weasley. I, I, it should have been Percy. <laughs> maybe honestly. No, because the the Harry Potter movies didn't touch about on Percy. No, if you Percy for the books, Percy. idiots. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't get introduced in the movies until the seventh, se- uh, seventh movie. Thank God Stephen Quilves didn't write the screenplay for this. I would murder him. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. No, that's fine. Um, it just sounds like just having a conversation with himself right now. I am. <laughs> that's fine. Um, what was I going to say? Now I'm off topic. Now I can't stop thinking about yeah, the Weasleys. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think we're thinking about Harry Potter, but we're not. Yeah. Um Honestly, I think he had a pair of balls. Honestly, um, I'm, I'm sure he did. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, <laughs> uh, just to like stand up to, I guess, his superior. Like, no, this is what we're doing. We're firing this sunbeam thing, and we're destroying everybody. That's it. You're taking orders from me now. But like you said, as soon as shit went down, he was the first one out of there. Yeah. So, well, also, what are you? Well, also, he was given orders from uh, Snoke to get out of there. Yeah. So it's not like. But though, as, as um, I guess he was a general, right? Yeah. The general, you stay and you fight. I don't care who you are. Not if the emperor says, "Get back here and save my apprentice" as well. Stonewall Jackson, he is not. Yeah. Um, well. But there's one. There was one thing I noticed about it. Snoke didn't seem too distraught that the Star Killer base was going under. No, he didn't. which which 
raise my eyebrows. I'm like, huh. They're like, that's a bit odd. And you're not really concerned about your supposedly ultimate weapon, if this is the ultimate weapon, um, is being destroyed. I hope they don't try to build it again. Uh, I again. Hope, I hope. I hope they. They think they gotta think of something else. Um, so, like my my feelings on General Hux is that like I feel like it's to erase the mistake of killing off Peter Cushing in yes. A New Hope. And I think I think that's, I, I think everybody realized that, and they're like, oh, we got to keep him alive for another sequel and another movie. Anyway. To Vicky's point, yeah, you are supposed to go down with your. Ship, ship or your base in this case both yeah. um, <laughs> but there's that scene in Empire and not uh, in A New Hope where Tarkin's aide comes up to him and says we've analyzed their attack we might lose this and all die do you want to get out of here and he goes no we're going to wait and now I'm going to triumph. triumph I think you're giving too much credit there sir <laughs> My terrible Peter Cushing impression, there. and he ends up he ends up getting blown up. His now, pride, his, his pride is a downfall. In that case, it was like that was a little bit more sudden, yes, of an explosion than here in the Force Awakens, where the base is clearly crumbling, and it takes a while for everything to blow up, which is why um, Hux and Kylo Ren end up escaping. Yeah. And the one thing I, I, I really enjoy about his performance is he, conviction. Yeah. He is a true believer in what he is doing. Yes. And I think that's something that it's a it's a nice dichotomy, dichotomy to Kylo Ren, who, as we mentioned before, is conflicted about his feelings right now. Seeing a villain that's truly who's in the flesh and is like, I'm right. really going to do this. And I, I fully believe I'm in the right here. And it's very different from the prequels again, because in the prequels, you just sort of have this mystery enemy and everyone connected mm-hmm. to the mystery enemy is just like, yeah, um, we're here. We don't really care about what we're doing. We're just doing this for whatever reason. Yeah. And so, and of course, that speech. Like Count Dooku in episode two. Yeah, and, and it's like it's not like it's. It seems that the story of these three movies have been plotted out. Yes, and that Ryan Johnson, who's writing and directing the next one, and he's writing number nine, he's obviously he's like, all right, here are the parameters of what you need to hit. Everything else is up to you, which I think that's a good thing. If you know the limitations of the box, you can play in it and be as creative as possible. Limitations make you more creative, and it definitely seems like. Disney knows exactly where the story is going, and mm-hmm. they they they've cherry picked what exactly we need to know at this precise moment. And saying Hux being like one of those people, like all right, he's gonna have to come back, and he's gonna have to. There's something else that he's got something else up his sleeve. At least Snoke does. Um, but to continue, since we brought him up a bunch of times, Supreme uh, Chancellor Snoke or whatever, Supreme his, Leader, Supreme Snoke. Leader. Which makes it seem that much more like a cult and not like yeah. an actual <laughs> organization. Organization. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's the supreme leader wants this done. Yeah, it's like, like yes, master. Yeah, played by Andy Circus, <sighs> which was a pleasant surprise because I knew he was involved yes. in the movie, but I didn't know in in what. Capacity. But once I heard his voice, I'm like, oh, that's oh. totally him. And I just heard. I just kept thinking. It's like since he, of course, he's known for Gollum, but recently he's known as Caesar in the Planet of the Apes movies, and that's the voice I heard at first. I was like, "Holy crap! It's Caesar from Planet of the Apes." 
but go on what you were saying about him. Um, yeah, he is uh, the next, I guess, emperor. And my, like, my cousin's uh, husband brought this up. Like, he could, what, like, he could be Darth Plagueis. That's the common rumor I'm hearing. That, like, since he is, if the Lord of Cities is telling the truth that he has conquered death, this could explain that he's been around for so long and that why he's so damaged. Have you seen, have you seen the video with the soundtracks? Yeah. The soundtrack for Snoke from Force Awakens. Right. If you go back to Revenge of the Sith, uh-huh. when Palpatine is telling Anakin about scene. the story, that music is like pretty much the same. Oh. So, I mean, it's not, it's not, you know, proof. No, but it's but definitely... It's, it's, it could be a clue. It's a, it's Abrams' mystery box, right? I I I'm willing to say it could he could be anyone. Yeah. Would I Would I like him to be Darth Plagueis? I think that would be a nice, you know, nice little turn. Yeah. And also a, a wink, wink, nod, nod. Not everything from the prequels ended up being terrible. Yeah, I I think you could argue that's probably the best scene in the prequels. Is yes. that scene? Um, Mickey, your feelings on Supreme Leader Snoke. Oh, God. Why do you say it like that? That's so creepy. It just, it makes it more weird when you say it like that. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I don't really have much thought on this character, to be quite honest with you. He's big, he's tall, he's scary, and I definitely... He's a hologram. Yeah. I bet he's four feet tall. I think when we get to the end. It's probably. Well, that's, that's no what I'm getting at. Pay it. no attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. What is this, the Wizard of Oz now? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, I, you know, I definitely think he's gonna have a really big impact on Kylo Ren. Yeah. He's, he's going to take Kylo Ren underneath his wing when everyone else has failed. And do something with him. And I hope it's not the same character arc as Darth Vader. It definitely seems like it could go down that route. But we don't know what Snoke's intentions are with Kylo Ren. And what Snoke's true plan is. Um, And Snoke's like one of his first actions was fire the weapon at the Republic. Do you think that was Coruscant? No. In fact, I think uh, when it blows... When all the systems get blown up, someone says the name of the system. Okay. And it's just like a quick, throwaway, throwaway line like, oh, that was whatever. System, yeah, okay. Yeah. Because it definitely looked like Coruscant when we got, to the, when we got to the ground level but, uh, footage. Uh, I also did some background reading. Apparently, in the new Star Wars Extended Universe, right. after the old Star Wars Extended Universe... Got, thrown out. Got nullified. Which pissed off a lot of people. After the Republic took over from the Empire, they moved the capital and the Senate away from Coruscant. Which makes sense. Be- too many bad memories, probably. Yeah. I mean, think of it this way. If, if my American history is correct, 
our nation's capital was in Philadelphia at first. Right. And then we moved down to Washington, D.C. Uh, first New York. First New York. And, and then, then Washington, right, right. So if you want to – since we kind of like do – we've been connecting a lot of this stuff to history. And then Washington, D.C. again because it got burned down the first time. Yes. We're doing the War of 1812. And that is your – there's your SAT uh, uh, history question for you. <laughs> Pass those regions, kids. Oh, yes. Oh, the regions. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. That totally derailed me right there. Um, so I was saying Snoke could have a lot of potential. Hopefully it doesn't fall flat. Looking forward to them. There's two other um, older characters coming back. It's Princess Leia and Chewbacca. What did you think of Carrie Fisher's performance as Princess Leia? Uh, she was only on screen for about three meaningful minutes. Yeah. Uh, really, the only scene – oh, two scenes because she had the f- scene with Han. Yeah. When they meet up. Um, Which made me cry when they first met. Yeah. And then immediately undercut with C-3PO popping up in between the two of them. And I was like, just, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and then she had that hug with Ray at the end of everything. Um, and what did you think of like those scenes themselves? I mean, it was, it was nice to see it. Mm-hmm. I don't really think it served, um, purpose, a big purpose to the movie. Aside from giving Han the task. If you see your son, try to bring him back. Right. She kind of is relegated to her role in the end of New Hope. Right. Where she's watching a screen of the big yeah. battle. Wow. Just thought of that. Huh. That just, was – yeah, that it was just like an underwhelming return. Hopefully she has more things to do in episode eight. Right. I mean like the joke my brother-in-law made where it was – yeah, it was Christmas and we, we do our – after the dinner we always do a big walk and stuff like that. Most people do. You were cold, and you said, no, I'm not doing it. Oh, no, you had the headache, too. Wait, what? And Christmas uh, Day, when we did the big walk after dinner. Uh, yeah, I was like, I'm not going to go for this couch. Absolutely not, no. <laughs> and my brother-in-law and I were talking about it, and was just, uh, he's saying, like, it's a little weird that Carrie Fisher's voice is, like, dropped, like, three octaves and stuff like yeah. that. But I'm like, well, it's this age and stuff like that. And, <laughs> yeah, and, like, all the drugs she has done, and now she just talks like this and stuff like that. <laughs> and... And the joke I made is like, this is just a pair of wrinkles talking to each other in this scene right now. I know it's terrible to say, but that's how one of the scenes war was between Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher. Uh, it was nice to hear back, like you're saying, I hope she gets to do more in the movies coming up. I have a huge infatuation with Princess Leia. I love Carrie Fisher. She is someone that... Princess Leia, not Carrie Fisher in general, but okay. just... She's someone that I always wanted to be with little buns in her hair, you know, and she's kicking ass and taking some names. You know, that was my first, besides Xena Warrior Princess, she was my first look of, like, what a tough chick could actually be. Mm-hmm. And she was doing it all in a dress. Keep that in mind, too. Mm-hmm. So I, I love her, and she always will hold a special place in my heart, just like the prequels. <laughs> Well, nobody's downloading this podcast now. <laughs> Just my serendipity is always like, I got a bad feeling about this, and they won't yeah. they won't play this podcast. And Chewbacca, I love Chewie in this. Uh, he was I? It seemed like they made him speak more English type lines yeah. in this, and that he's kind of like a, a player 
two. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and then like, ooh, sounds so dangerous. I'm just like, oh my god, he's hitting on the nerves, dude. <laughs> I'm like, this is just so awkward now. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think. Force Awakens, make it bestiality fun for the whole family. <laughs> well, the originals made incest fun. <laughs> <laughs> so you have, you have to keep, you have to keep pushing, pushing the line. <laughs> um, Necrophilia, here we come. <laughs> but I, <laughs> but the, the first moment where Chewie and Han are really back and everyone is, Saying, you knew Luke Skywalker, the 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 hero of the boat, and Chewie just goes, yeah, yeah, he's my buddy, yeah, yeah, he's a friend of mine. (laughs) And I think he's what sold Han's death. Yeah, his reaction, it was, and is like his roar, and then he just shoots all the stormtroopers with one shot, and then blows up the interior of the base, and you're like, okay, and like somebody brought up, like we didn't get to see. Leia and Chewbacca mourn because they both just lost the most important person in their life together. Mm-hmm. I feel like Chewbacca just kind of wanted to be by himself and is the one to yeah. do it my own way. It was the moment that we, when Qui Gon dies in Episode One, mm-hmm. or gets stabbed and then later dies. Right. You just get like the no from Obi Wan, and then like three minutes of. Him waiting for that stupid laser to go down. Which I didn't know whatsoever. Anyway. And then just another choreographed lightsaber fight, mm-hmm. which was underwhelming. Yeah, but I think like there was I think that's the best part of that lightsaber duels between the two of them because they definitely seemed like the most intensity between the two actors, but uh, there was no emotional still, intensity. It still for was the no right. It still was not as good as she was just going, What? what? And then Blasting Kylo Ren, yeah, which ends up being a big thing when he go- goes to fight the two other heroes, yeah, and then just boom, 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 three stormtroopers are dead, and they escape. I mean, when Kylo Ren stabs Han and throws him off the edge, and, and like I, I like instinctively, I'm just like, shoot the son of a bitch, and he does, he grazes him, and I'm like. Keep firing! He's not dead yet. <laughs> Why did you stop shooting? And that was my first instinctive imagination, and then it was interesting. After the first viewing and going into the scene, Vicky and I saw it together one more time. I saw it with my dad this weekend. It's watching the uh, since I knew what was coming. Watching the audience react, yeah. so I'm just like, oh, I know the Falcon's coming up, and then you're like, oh, I know what's going to happen. So I just kind of sit back in my chair, and just like. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Supreme for, Leader Snow, this will be good. <laughs> for that, that scene, though, when Han dies, it reminded me of when I was a, a kid and Obi-Wan Kenobi died. And I was always like, no, 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 I don't want to see this again. Yeah. And then you watch it, and I know when I was a kid, I, I always looked away when Obi-Wan died. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one, I was like... I know it's coming. I know it's gonna hurt. It's gonna hurt me, and it's gonna hurt Han, and we're all gonna we're all gonna feel pain <laughs> together. And then, I mean, I think from that moment until the movie ends, there's just like this incredible emotional rush that you get, and it's it's unlike anything I've experienced at the movies in a long time. 
Mickey, your feelings on Chewbacca? It's Chewbacca. <laughs> How do you not love Chewbacca? Like you said, he, he again was more of a smart ass in this movie. Like you said, he was hitting on just about everybody. Right. And he's outside, you know, with Han in that one scene and he's like, Grr and Huntel is like, You're cold? You're cold. Really? And he's just, You're cold. And it's just he just brings again that cute little light to to this movie and it's like I said, it's Chewbacca. How do you not love Chewbacca? Um and, uh, uh, uh... I like 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 I always say like I love characters together and in their interactions. They always say I wish they were stuck in traffic and we get to view what their life is like. Like what was it like? Um, I said that on the podcast with uh, Gotham with Penguin and uh, Victor Zaz. Like just like the two actors playing off each other. What if they're like stuck in traffic and just bantering? I want like I want to see a, <laughs> just a ten minute movie of just uh, Peter Mayhew and Han Solo just and Harrison Ford sitting in the cockpit stuck in traffic like. And just bantering about what's going on and what they have to deal with. I mean, I think I, I think that's the like you how you know you have good characters. Do you want to see them do even mundane things? It'll make it interesting. And I just feel like, what's Chewie gonna do to, if he runs into Ren in the next movie? And somebody else brought up, what if the reason why we get Lando in the next movie is to get revenge for Han? Ooh, and will Lando probably disobey Leia and try and kill him? That's one be thing a good plot do. point. Yeah, and just be like, oh, I'm like, I don't care if he's your son or not. I'm sorry, he's my best friend, and I'm gonna, I'm, at least I'm gonna kick the shit out of him. That's <laughs> one, that's for sure. All right, now let's get down to our favorite moments of the movie. <laughs> the movie itself is not an exact. You have to, you have to narrow it down to at least a few moments. Oh, I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. I'm like, oh, you're gonna say the whole movie, aren't you? Um. I think the the lightsaber fight between Rey and um, and Kylo Ren when she's been disarmed or no she's been knocked out regains consciousness after Finn has been disarmed mm-hmm. and they're both trying to pull the lightsaber to themselves mm-hmm. and it looks like it's going to Kylo Ren and then all of a sudden. It, Goes right past his face and into Ray's hands. And I thought have, it was going to be Luke at first. I would, that, that would have been Luke's introduction. I would have been very, very angry if that happened. Really? Yes. Because, because it would have undercut Ray as right. a character, right? It, and just they had music from the original trilogy going. It was just really, really well done. Um, Vicky, your favorite moment or moments in The Force Awakens, if you can narrow it down. I don't know if I can. Um, like I said, the lightsaber, that was awesome. It gave me chills. Um, the part where, um, Finn and Ray first meet. Yeah. It was like, yeah, no, I'm part of the, yeah, I'm part of the resistance. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah. Do you believe this? Because I'm not believing this. And she tries to grab his hands, and you know something's starting up there, and you're like, all right, I can see that. Okay, let's do that. Yeah. Um, I guess any BB-8 moment in yeah. Chewbacca sequence. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> um, I think maybe my favorite is like when they're trying to escape the First Order, and they get on the Millennium Falcon thinking it's Junker, and it's <laughs> Millennium Falcon. Um, and they're like, I can do this. I can do this. And they're trying to convince themselves to do it, and they do it. Or... Uh, Kylo Ren goes back to 
Ray's prison cell, finds that she's gone, flips a shit, starts tearing the room apart. Two stormtroopers come around the bend, see him like, nope, nope, <laughs> I am not dealing with this right now, and just simply walk away. Um, uh, what else? Uh, seeing Admiral Akbar back as well. That's a job. That's a job. And the co- Lando's co-pilot. Yes. I always forget his name. Nian Noob. Nian Noob. Wow. Is that? I forget how you pronounce it. He's the way down there. Yeah, it's like the Knight of Ren. Yeah, Nian Noob. And I'm like, wow. It's what having no life will get you. Yeah, exactly. Join the club, kiddies. It's fun. Come on, kiddies. You want to get in the Star Wars club? <laughs> I never went to school. Hey, look at me! <laughs> I just saw. I just showed Vicky Leo thing just recently. <laughs> you asked for it. I regret everything about doing this podcast right now. Um, you're a teacher, part time. Yeah, I was a teacher. Is a school. Six hundred sixty-six. It's oh, wrong, Satan. <laughs> <laughs> Go check out Leo Satan, everybody. That's a plug for a show we have no association with. Um, another probably one of my favorite moments is um, uh, what, what the hell was it? Like I say, like, moment. I, 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 it's of course the lightsaber duel, and then like when it's like I can teach you the ways of the Force, and like she's like the Force, and then she just kind of like lets it flow through her, and then she just. Gives him a reason to wear that mask now and scars him up a little <laughs> bit. And I like the fact that Finn tries and he thinks like, oh, I I, I think I have I a can skill. And totally, Ren is just, like, even though he's wounded, he's just playing with him at that point. And then burns him with the, the hilt, which everybody thought was going to be a downfall to the user. And, well, no, it's another, it's another way to damage your uh, opponent. Um, moment that you... Least favorite moment? Um, probably just the Raptors scene. Really? Yeah, I mean, not the um. Talk to Culture Club. No, that part I enjoyed, mm. but the part where they're running through the base trying to escape it, mm-hmm. I know it had to happen, but it was just like, this is pointless. This has nothing to do with the movie overall. No, let's just get to the next. It's, scene. A, it's a depth trap yeah. scene. Once. Once Han and uh, the two rival gangs met each other and um, had their little thing, okay, yeah, we know. They report back to everyone that he has the the droid and the two people who escaped Jakku. Let's just get out of the scene. Mm-hmm. And that, that it just seemed like a throwaway action scene to me. Gotcha. I guess there's really nothing that I don't like about it, but I can tell you that you said this before, is the um, the rushing of the name when Poe gives Finn his name. I'm like, Uri, I understand that it had to be a little rushed because you made a good point that it was there in the middle of a battle, but I felt like you're giving someone a name. Like, you just fell into this man who had no previous human interactions or human feelings. You know, all of a sudden he has these feelings and it's like, yeah, by the way, your name is Finn now. Thanks. Great. Let's fly. 
And it's like, you couldn't have made that just a little bit more special. Now, I'm not saying go overboard and have, like, candles everywhere and a naming ceremony. I'm just saying make it a little bit more special. <laughs> Shut up, Tim. Get out of that jacket afterwards. <laughs> We're using this tonight. <laughs> uh, my biggest, like like we was saying, like, the, I thought... First time around, I thought that was a disappointment. Like, the second and third viewing, I, it didn't bother me as much. The thing that bothered me through all three viewings, the underutilization of Captain Phasma. One of, like, Game of Thrones, like, best yeah. like, actresses. And she's, like, she got Boba Fett pretty hard. She did. I mean, I don't know. I really didn't mind it because I... Because I built her up to being such a badass, too. I maybe Maybe I was just so disconnected from all... The marketing and the merchandising for it, there was just like, okay, yeah, cool suit of armor. Mm-hmm. Okay, whatever. And just like. So that didn't really impact me as much. But like, they kind of like made a big deal, like, it's the first female stormtrooper, even though we do hear a voice of another female stormtrooper when they're trying to find Ray. Like, one of them reports to Ren, and then he's like, Han Solo. And then just kind of like walks away, and I just imagine that like, stormtrooper, like, I'm not done having a conversation with you. Just walked away. All right. I guess I just fuck myself and walk away. <laughs> and I'm just like, hey, you got a trash compactor on this uh, level. <laughs> and it, it, uh, I'm just like, I hope to God they didn't kill her. I hope she comes back and. Nah, I'm pretty sure she will. Um, yeah, I think just like, because like, it's a, it could be like, if they don't do anything with it, it could right. be another Darth Maul. Like, look cool in all the trailers. Didn't really do much. I hope to God they don't do that. I think they left themselves enough room, wiggle room to, like, she's yeah. going to come back and she's going to want Finn's head. Um, that's probably my only really, like, like, and then, like, the very last shot, when we get to run into with Luke. Yes. Luke is in this movie. We do find him at the very end of the movie in hiding. And... Somewhere in Ireland. Yeah, Ireland. <laughs> it, it, it definitely seems like a tourist. Uh, like, I'm surprised. That, I yeah. bet the Ireland Tourist Bureau upload that, like, Disney <laughs> game that scene to show off. is like, come to Ireland. See where Luke Skywalker's been hiding for the past 30 years. <laughs> yeah, he may be there. Mark Hamill just kind of, like, just went up the hill and never came back. Went up the hill, crazy man, came back a Jedi. Anyway. Um, it, but it's this weird helicopter shot. And it's just, what? <laughs> Have you seen the first episode of 30 Rock? Uh, With not in a long time. Tracy Morgan is in the street waving the light, <laughs> saber around going, I'm a Jedi! I'm a Jedi! <laughs> That's why I think Mark Hamill thought he was signing up for when he took this role. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> but it's like there's one weird helicopter shot, like a long lens shot, and it's kind of arcing around the two of them, and then it just fades out. It should have faded out on his face. Yeah. It, because, or the lightsaber. Or the lightsaber itself. And there's weird. There's one thing I noticed that he goes through several emotions when he sees the lightsaber. He goes from, like, like the joke I made, the young Frankenstein, when, like, Gene yeah. Hackman's the blind man, and he gets a visitor. Oh, a visitor at last! And he's just, I just imagine him being really kooky and not having anybody to talk to for years. And and then he, he looks at it, and he has, like, a little bit of anger or resentment towards the saber itself. And then if it ended on that face, I'd have been like, oh, what's going to happen? Not this big, weird helicopter shot. You going to say something, though? No, I think I was just making, trying to make the faces that Luke was making. Just like... Mm. 
biscuits and gravy. <laughs> See, now here's here's my theory on who Ray will end up being. Yes, let's talk about our speculation, what 8 and 9 is. I think that if Ray were Luke's daughter or related to Luke, they would have ended the movie with that reveal. Because as you said, it's it's far too awkward of an ending, both in yeah. terms of what happens and the shots, for it to be for there to be a, a, a connection. That I agree with. Um, that, and also, you know, besides the fact that she could be Luke's daughter, is that Kylo Ren and her could be twins. And they could be Han Solo and Carrie Fisher's daughter. Because, you know, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but that flashback that she has, doesn't she see the Falcon driving away? It's not, it's not the Falcon. That's not the Falcon? It looks yeah. like the Falcon, though. No, it's just another ship. That, otherwise, it'd be like, oh... What does that mean? But like he, they have had twins in the expanded. Like, sorry, I realize I'm not a mic. They have had um, them having twins in the expanded universe that they have kind of disregarded. Much to the dismay of a lot of Star Wars fans, I'm like, so okay, they're not connected to the movies really anymore. Doesn't mean the books are invalid. I'll take the Thrawn trilogy and still enjoy it I mean, as a seven, eight, nine. Right. Well, and the movie did. I did borrow from. The expanded universe where Han and Leia both have a kid together. The son ends up turning evil. Right. And, you know, so, I mean, it does draw influences in a little way from those books. Another reason why I think Kylo Ren and Rey are related is because he gets a little too animated about just a random girl. Because when he's turning around to him, what's his, the Weasley, um, he's like, what girl? Like, he got way too animated. Like, okay, they're either related or something had to happen where it was just like, now this girl's a threat to me. Like, this, this isn't good. So that's the only reason why either A, I say that they've trained together and she just doesn't remember because she's been on Jakku for so damn long. Or they're related somehow. They're siblings yeah. at some point. And but the reason why I think it could be, I can see where they're coming from. Where it could be separated, like at a certain time, like that Kylo is or Ben, I should say, is older than than Ray, and it was just like, all right, this is not something's going wrong. We should separate them. But I can see where it's Luke's daughter, where it's just like. I feel like there would have been too much of a big reveal at the end of that movie, and they could have just savored that. And because he has had children in the expanded universe, right? With uh, uh, I forget her, I forget Mara Jade. Mara Jade, two points for you, sir. For remember yes, that, two points. Uh, uh, for because she is force sensitive and like wants to kill Luke for like the entire trilogy, and then eventually, and I kind of wanted to get together by the end of the trilogy. By the end of it, they're just kind of friends. They're like. Oh, Come on, damn it! And so I'm like, I have to, I have to, I'm like, I, I'll listen to more of the audiobooks. I will. D- don't tempt me. But I'm like, <laughs> I just, I, I just want them to be in a relationship by the end. But like, so I could see that, and it's like, now you could argue one of the biggest reasons why Anakin went to the dark side, and why a lot of the, some people can argue why the Jedi didn't work is because they weren't able to have relationships in the prequels. Doesn't seem like they. 
you could argue that he's a very like they're based off samurai and monk like characters. Mm-hmm. But doesn't mean Obi Wan has never had relations or anything like that. Right. Prequels were kind of like, no, 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 you're like the priesthood, you're not going to have any relationships whatsoever, and that's what kind of tears Anakin apart. So I, I could see that ha- Obi Wan having a child, but especially and- since when he goes into hiding, he's what thirty, thirty-five years old. Yeah. Which is we don't really- we have well, we don't have a concrete time when things went awry. Right. Which is really. Really young for the Star Wars universe. Yeah, and then we see him again. He's like almost near 60. And he goes to Tatooine, and we assume that he just spent the entirety of those 40 years in between the prequels and Mm -hmm. the original trilogy alone when... I can see him banging hookers in most Eisley in-game shit face. Well, he obviously had a ship. He had a way to Tatooine to begin with. Yeah. Um, although that, I guess, could have been uh, Jimmy Smith's ship from the prequel. True. Anyway, final thoughts on Star Wars The Force Awakens. Oh, amazing. Yes. I uh, want it to be May 2017. Yes. But uh, actually, I, I want I want it to be this December because I, I just want anything Star Wars. I want, I I am want excited. Rogue One I right am now. excited for Rogue One, especially since it's build as a heist movie and since ant-man was another heist movie that disney just did and it was a fantastic job and suicide squad looks like it might be a heist movie i think it's just heist movies are in right now if they're done right so i'm happy um your feelings on what you want for next star wars movies just for it to be awesome <laughs> like this one i mean i guess that's everyone's thoughts right <laughs> yeah. um i just want that yeah, like i said like it's I, 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 we have Bat, we have Batman v Superman to look forward to now. That's like the big thing I have to look forward to now. But I'm like, it's just counting down till Star Wars at this point. I'm like, we have Sherlock right now, cool. That's buying time to Star Wars. We have we're gonna have Doctor Who. That's gonna be buying time till Star Hopefully Wars. We'll have Doctor. We should be. Time. We should have at least one more season. But hoping by August. Usually they've begun filming by this point. By this point, but everything's haven't. kind of like thrown in the air. I think Sherlock has thrown uh, Moffat off at this point. Yeah, because Sherlock is supposed to be filming in April, I think. For the next for season five, yeah, for season four, isn't this? It's only one episode. It's a one-off. Right. It was the Christmas special, correct? Technically, but it's not really Christmassy. Okay. Have you not watched it yet? No. Okay. Like I said, I just saw the Christmas it's, special of Doctor Who. So. It's not. Um, it's not Christmassy or holidayy, in every in any way at all. Okay. So it's just a. Special episode that happened to air on New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. All right, so I was saying we just we have high hopes for. It. Sure, as Force Weekends have problems, yeah, but like every movie has problems. If you really want to look at it, if you want, like, Citizen Kane has problems. Godfather has problems. Vertigo has problems. Even Empire Strikes Back. You had problems with Vertigo. <laughs> yeah, I, I had problems with Vertigo this weekend, which is pretty terrible. Uh, thank God I'm over that now. Yeah. You didn't want to deal with me like bedroom. Like, help me. I didn't mind that you were bedridden. You just kept getting up. You're like, I can't. Yeah. I, I can't I always right knew now. you didn't like you too, but I didn't know this much. Thank you. I'm so, I'm, good night. Glad this is the end of the podcast. I'm going to strangle Justin <laughs> as soon as I hit stop. So if you want people to follow you on social media, Justin, where can they find you? <laughs> These days, nowhere. But oh, on Twitter, yeah. at... At Justin Serlo, C-I-R-I-L-L-O. 
Justin Cirillo. Thank you. Thank you, Jill. <laughs> if they want to find me, Facebook, um, I guess I'm Victoria Borelli. I guess so, right? <laughs> I don't know I don't who know. I am Are anymore. Um, Tumblr, Instagram, Pinterest. Under what name? Um, well, Pinterest, it's under Victoria Borelli. And Tumblr, it's Arrow2300, as well as Instagram. And Snapchat. You have Snapchat? Yeah, I do. Oh. Tim, everyone but you has Snapchat. Uh, yeah, I think me and one, I think one, uh, yeah. He used to have for like a week. About a week ago. Serenity now. Oh, if you want to follow, I still need to see Serenity. Oh. How have you not seen Serenity? I only just watched Firefly this past summer. That's true. Take my love, take my lamp. My song is not in the movie. Sorry. Uh, if you want to find me, you can find me on Instagram. I'm just a recent subscriber to that, pretty much. You can find me at tRooney1012 on Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at TimothyRooney2 because some bastard took the number one <laughs> position. And I, uh, and I tried changing it to AKA Tim Rooney, but I was like, nah, this is too much effort. And after our Jessica Jones was <laughs> the review. Um, you can follow my YouTube page through the Lens Productions, um, and obviously follow this podcast on SoundCloud.com. And hopefully, there'll be more Star Wars things that I am actually working on with my friend Dakota coming soon. Hopefully, things work out with that. Hope everybody enjoyed this podcast review of Star Wars: The Force Awakens, and we'll talk to you soon. Happy New Year! Happy New Year, everyone! Happy New Year! Happy New Year, everybody! Good night. <laughs> Oh, <laughs>